That's right, baby. We are back for another episode of All Canes Radio Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Monroe, in the shop right now, All Canes, with my guy, Harry. Got a little sly look on his face today. Last week he was happy. Today he's looking sly. You good, Harry? I'm great. It's always great. Wednesday nights, you, the guests. Platon, if he ever shows up, it's pretty good stuff. How are you working on the Crown sponsorship right now? We didn't even got Crown in the building. I told you, we're going to have it. We're going to have it? Then we're How long? Have it. Huh? How long? I would say by the start of the season, if not sooner. The start of the season, we're going to have a sponsorship of Crown. Well, I don't know about a sponsor, but we're going to have Crown anyway. Let me know, let me, let me write that one down, <laughs> man. That sounds like a good idea. We might have to have a little dump button if we get some Crown going on. Set. We should probably have a dumb button going anyway sometimes, huh? Nah. Nah, nah we're pretty good, nah, right? We're good with that. We're, we're good with we're, that. We're, we behave. It's, it's, it's normally the guests. You know, like, eh, probably CP's been the worst so far, but it was hella, hella entertaining. No, we haven't had Joaquin on yet. Oh, no. It's going down when he comes in here. Joaquin yeah. said dominate. Yeah. Did you see the shirts that he's making in the hats? I've, I, it's the same one that was a couple years ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm going to get one of those for sure. Uh Platon is uh, running late always. He's a he's a busy man. Time is money, and we don't have money I'm, to give him. So let me ask you, Brian. Speaking of that, you know, now I guess the university is signing former players they to are. like a former player nil. Did, yep. did you get a letter and sign off on it? I mean, come on, look at me. I'm not getting one of those. Come on, man. We I, can I have them. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know if they can got sell these a young jersey. Pups that are getting shirts made, and uh, you know, I mean, what's I, mine's I, gonna say? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's what's my tagline gonna be? Kick this. Nah, that's lame. I wouldn't even want that. Who's gonna sell? Who's well, give me a, give me something that's not lame. I'll think of it. Okay, I'll think. I of mean, it. come on, you know. Maybe maybe our guest today will help me out with the tagline. He's a creative dude. You know, he's he's known to bust a move into and stuff like that. We're joined right now with my former teammate Kareem Brown, D tackle at the U O two to O six. I don't know if I should just call you a D tackle or an athlete. You know, you know, or what, both. what do you prefer? Because I feel like you started off as a D tackle, but you know, in the league, you did a little something, moved around to tight end. So what's good? What's going on, man? I'm glad you guys. Had, I'm fortunate to be here, man. But um, no. So I mean, you know, I started off at D tackle yep. at, at Miami, but I got drafted to New England. They they moved me to in. So I guess that's kind of where the transition it, it took place a little bit, where I lost a little bit of weight, um, and then it just kept progressing from there. When I went to New York, I was with uh, Eric Mangini, and then um, Rex came in, and Rex asked me to play tight end. So that's where. Uh, the evolution of tight end came in. You know, you said lost a lot of weight. You know, you, you look at yourself right now. I know you got some competition going on. What's this What's this competition I see with you and Trell and the DJ? Is that over with? You know, y'all had a lot of trash talking going on with some workouts and stuff like that. Man, we was just trying to motivate each other, really. You know, um, and there's a lot of people that that watch it and they like it and, and they laugh at us. So it's entertaining for us and for them, but it was more so for us to motivate each other. I mean, you think Trell or DJ need any motivation? Do you see those two clowns? Well, if you saw Trell, Trell had got kind of he heavy at one point. He did get kind of So big. he needed the motivation, but he was doing his boxing and stuff like that, and, and, and he's back to, you know, fighting shape. Yeah, I can't say anything because, you know, COVID I put on, whew, put on a good baker's dozen during COVID. I was like, I was good at the start of COVID. You know, I got, got in shape. I, I normally do my diet after the Super Bowl to get right for summertime. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. And it's like, okay, why am I still dieting when I can't go nowhere? So I was always at my boy Beeson's place. So literally we would work out a little bit in the morning and it'd be nice out, go by the pool, start drinking just eating. <laughs> that was like an everyday thing? Every day during lockdown. That's what I did every day during lockdown. My tan got really good. It was kind of opposite for me because I took that time to actually like just dedicate myself to working out because there was like nothing else to do. 
So it was like I was just running around the neighborhood, like on bike in the gym. Like so, I took that time to actually lose all the way. Well, there yeah. were a lot of people that were on that side, and then there were a lot of people on the other side. So some people put on that. Come to my side, baby. You know, come to my side. A lot side. of weight, and and really didn't use their time wisely, or they did the exercise. You saw people out on bikes and rollerblades and any kind of exercise they could just get out of the house, especially these people living in these apartments and oh, condos and. I, if I didn't have, you know, John's crib, I wouldn't know what I would do because I would have been stuck in my apartment just there looking at four walls. Like, nah. Like, give an example. The most weight I got at the U, I got up to 223. You know, when I went to receiver and I was like, all right, let me put on some weight. By the time COVID was done and I stepped on the scale to start my diet, I was 227. That should tell you something because I don't. Wow. Woo. Wow. Woo. It was a, a, a thick 227. though. It wasn't good. Okay. It wasn't good. I can say I had a little belly, you know, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, what the hell? I looked in the mirror. I was like, okay, we got to change but this. But you're always going to be your worst critic, though, because to course. somebody else, that 227 probably was, like, phenomenal. But to you, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't up to standard. I mean, the only good thing for me is that, quote, unquote, air quotes, dad bods were in. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I could blend right in on the boat. <laughs> you know but, what I'm saying? You, but you're not a dad. <laughs> I know. But all I got to, I could lie. Hey, there's more to love of them, man. That's all. Come on. Speaking of dads, you were a dad. How's your daughter? She's doing good, man. She's doing She's well? starting the sixth grade, so oh, you know, man. I'm excited for her. That is crazy. Shooting like that for higher up already? Time is flying. Sixth grade. Next year, you know, she'll be graduating high school. Uh, I don't even want to think that far. She going to the U? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully. Keep her- it's already ingrained, though. Yeah? yeah. Just to make sure that you ain't going out of state. Raised her right. You know, I, I always think about that, right? You know, I'm not a dad, so I don't know, but... But you want to be, right? We're passionate. One day, we're passionate about our school, you know, and then you have kids and you say, what if my kid goes to Florida, say Florida arrival? How does that feel? Like, I can't answer because I'm not a dad. But I think you've seen a lot of players that, that had their kids have went somewhere else. They couldn't get into Miami or didn't want to get into Miami and, and whatnot. But I think a lot of them are still canes through and through. I mean, I know a lot of kids that either didn't, weren't able to get into Miami or didn't want to go to Miami, and they're going to Florida or Florida State. And some of those kids, they wear Miami stuff every single day. They don't care. They're almost, they're trying to, you know, piss somebody off. Yeah, see, that's so. why I don't want a son, because if he's like me, that's exactly how he'd be on a college campus. He'd be the a-hole, which I am, but I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be the dad that if she goes to another school, I'm going to be, like, decked out in Miami gear. Don't yeah, care. Well, what's anybody going to say to you? Don't care. <laughs> oh, here comes Kate. Hey, Kate Brown. No, no, go the other way. Go the other way. <laughs> All right, let's speak about Miami. You know, you came out of high school down here in Miami. You went to Norland, if I believe. Um, speak to me about the recruiting process because yours is a little bit different than other people. Uh, if I remember correctly, did you play your senior year? No, I did not. Um, and so, as you just stated, I didn't play my senior year. Uh, but I still went to every camps. I did all the camps and all that other stuff, and that that's where it, it shot spiked my recruiting up. I went to LSU camp, and I went to Michigan State camp, and I won all camper at both of them. So that was, you know, with um, Nick Saban that was at LSU and um, Bobby Williams who was at uh, Michigan State at the time. So that kind of sparked my recruiting. And then just being down here in the backyard when I went like came to Miami camps and stuff like that, they already knew me. And why Miami? If you had LSU, who had Nick Saban, talked about the national championship around that time, 
Uh, Miami had come off a national championship because you would have been on the Fiesta Bowl team in the middle of your freshman year, right? Correct. So looking at all the recruitment, why did you choose to stay home? It was a no-brainer for me at that time. Miami was, you know, like Alabama now, Clemson now. So it was a no-brainer. Uh, I wanted to be close to home, to stay home um, by my family and be able for them to be able to see me play every week. That was really important for me. Um, also, growing up, I had never really left Miami like that as a kid. So, you know, a funny story, when I went to Oklahoma, I got off the plane and it was like negative five degrees. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming here. I'm out. I'm not coming That would have eliminated out. right there. Yeah, yeah. I was sure. done. As soon as but I got it's, off the It's plane. amazing. Like, you know, last year those kids from Homestead went out to Nebraska. They lasted one year. But it's like, you know, if you haven't been in that kind of weather, and it's not just the cold, but it's not seeing the sun for maybe a week at a time. That just For us Florida guys, that's rough. You know, so you got to really want to go somewhere to be in that kind of weather. Nah, listen, that's the same thing with Ohio State with me. You know, I was talking to Mike Nugent when he was down here for the Lou Groza and talking about the colds, and I made one trip up there, and I go, nope, I can't do it. I'm I'm my son. I need sun hotness. Boats. I just don't don't get how some of the South Florida guys do go up to the schools and adjust to that weather and say, yeah, I'm going to play in Michigan. I'm going to play in the Big Ten. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going up to this cold. No shot. If I have the shot to stay at home, like you said, your family got to see you go to the U, play ball. I mean, I don't think there's anything better than looking up in the crowd and seeing your loved ones cheering you on, so excited for you to accomplish probably one of your goals that you've had since a kid. The the crazy part about it is now you're seeing kids go to Oregon with Mario. You're seeing kids going to Utah. It's like blowing my mind. Like, how are they getting these kids from, like, South Florida? Money, money, money. Well, oh, wait, I, I think, it, I think it's it, legal now. I think, it's legal now. You know, when you go to places like that, there is a a good representation of the facilities and the coaches and everything else. But you know, it's a culture shock. I mean, if you're not used to it, and and so if you're living, eating, sleeping that sport, maybe it's okay. But you find out sooner or later, unless you adapt really quick, that it's it's tough. I mean, it I really is. I mean, I went out to Oregon on a recruiting trip, kind of, and uh, we went to Oregon State and. Uh, Nice place, but a different world. It was nothing like Miami. You know, we weren't in South Florida anymore. And I just didn't see myself staying there for any length of time. So I turned around and came home. You didn't want to be a beaver? Uh, no. You want to be a beaver? That's a good nickname to have. At least it's not the cocks, you know, like South Carolina. That's right. I'd rather good be co- a beaver than a cock. Correct. Cor- well, knowing you, you never know. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. I think he's my friend. <laughs> Maybe hey, he's not. <laughs> you need a friend like me. You need a friend like me. So you get to Miami. You choose Miami. You come in, just come off a national championship. You're in the room, because I remember when I came in a freshman. Your defensive line room, you guys had some bullies in there. You know, it was a Jerome McDougal was there. Big V was laid back, but he also could be he could be mean. You know what I'm saying? Andrew Williams, I think, was there as well still. Um, man, what was the hazing like? What was it like for you guys? As, you know, Because what was it? You, Baraka. Javon Nant, you guys came in all no, together? Javon, Javon was actually the year before us. Uh, my class was uh, myself, Baraka, and John Wood. John Wood. Okay. From American Senior. American Senior. And you guys were good. It was smooth sailing? Or did, you know, Dookie give you guys, like, hell coming in? Okay. They were just really, really big on respect. So they were on their way out, obviously. They had had some success, a lot of success here in Miami. So they were just really big on, on respect. If they asked us to do something, 
hey, just do it. But they actually looked at us as their little brothers, and they took care of us, man, because, you know, the locker room was wild oh back then. Oh, my God. It was like you didn't even want to sit in the locker room for two or three minutes by yourself. You were getting taped up. So, you know, um, they, they did a good job of taking care of us. So I guess now that there's no hazing, their tape bill's gone down over there? I mean, let me tell you something. He's right because I remember coming into the locker room, and I've said it multiple times on this on this right. you know show. I was scared, like you were legit <laughs> scared because not only one, you know, you come in as a freshman. I wasn't the biggest dude, and then all of a sudden you got these monsters walking around the locker room. And they're just looking at you like, don't even say what's up to you, freshman. Just look at you with this look, and I'm just like, I'm definitely getting taped up. Mm-hmm. Luckily, knock on wood, I never got taped up. Thank God. I didn't have to. I only. I didn't have to sing either. Mm-hmm. I only had to dance. Thank God for that. Yeah, because my voice is terrible. I cannot sing for anything except on the radio. Well, you know, you change your voice here a little bit to make yourself sound good. You know, for the ladies. But that's a different story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember we had Sean, we had uh, Big V that was so mean. Like he was the nicest dude, but if you asked him for anything, he was so mean. Mm-hmm. And then he also would like to play like jokes on you. Like, I'd walk by as a freshman. He'd be like, hey, freshman, hey, freshman, come here. Play along. Just tell him, tell him right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? He's like, just tell him you're right. You're right. I'm like, okay. So he goes, come over here. And the D linemen, they were all in their own corner. Mm-hmm. So to go past to the bathroom, you had to go by the D linemen. And Vince goes, hey, come here, freshman. He's like, hey, man, tell him we cousins. I'm like, yeah, we cousins. He goes, we ain't no damn cousins. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just so terrible. But then there'd be times when you would come in the locker room, like you said, you didn't want to stay there by yourself because a shoe would fly towards your head. They would tape you up. But you're right. It was a respect thing. Mm-hmm. Like, earn your keep. Mm-hmm. Show us that you want to be here and be part of the team. And then we'll, 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 we'll go ahead and grant you and be like, okay, cool. You're one of the brothers and stuff like that. You know, you had a lot of dudes in front of you that became first-round picks and stuff like that. What did you learn from, like, guys like Vince, with Vince Wolfrick in your freshman year? Um, starting back from either even um, with Jerome, Jerome and Andrew, it was their work ethic, and you saw it, the, the the how they worked in the weight room. So and, and I know you know those guys were huge. So Swayze was pushing them, and they they um they motivated us, you know, to to see how it's supposed to be done. You know, with, even with Big V, I was fortunate enough for to have him here for a couple of years, and then being in New England with them. So he was able to mentor me there also. But even people like Matt Walters, uh, William Joseph was there, uh, Santonio Thomas was there. So uh, that's Jamal Green, Cornelius yeah. Green. I had all those dudes as mentors. So it it was a good time that for me. A, that was to do one hitter quitter jamal green chief chief bro i heard a story what swayze told me i couldn't believe it it's all true it's all true it's all true who was the story is it something we can't talk about i mean of course we could talk about it it's a podcast okay. i mean kareem's gonna know the story better than me of the fight the fight yeah yeah allegedly oh okay those uh, work well in court yeah <laughs> there, there, there was a there was a physical altercation uh, that went way more one way than the other, if you get my drift. And um, Jamal Green was a very uh, intact dude uh, physically, and let's just say it didn't end well for the other guy. And was that here at school or at a somewhere else? No, on the beach. Yeah, it was in a, in a beach or the Grove. One the of them. Beach in the Grove. Yeah, I know. So it was out. It was. It was. It was not with one of his own teammates. Negative. Okay. No, 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 no. But I, I heard the dude had a, a dent in his head. That's a hardy hit. A dent. In his head. You know how hard it is to dent somebody's head? Look, I broke my hand on somebody's head. I know what it feels like. Put a dent in the dude's head. He had a soft (sighs) head? 
I don't know. But when I start hearing these stories from Swayze, you're kind of like, man, I'm not going to say anything as a freshman. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to be in my own locker, and I'm not saying nothing. I don't want to get taped up. I don't want to lose my eyebrows. I don't want none of that. And to make it worse, the DBs were the worst group. They That's were what we the keep hearing. We keep hearing group. it. The worst. The and smallest dudes, the worst. But they also were some strong-ass dudes. Yeah, I mean, definitely. you think about it. Sean, not your typical DB. But then you go to Trell, Glenn Sharp, Marcus Maxey. I mean, they had dudes left and right. You're like, that dude squats 600 pounds and benches 450. What the hell am I going to do with him? And can throw hands. Can throw hands. I, I'm, I just stood there and just like, all right, man, y'all do what y'all want. I ain't, I ain't going to say nothing and put my head down. Alfonso Marshall. Oh, my God. How could I forget about Fonzo? They had some dudes. And he had Mo Sykes who... And if one fought, they all, all fought. fought. All fought. Like a pack of dogs, huh? The Hyenas. <laughs> Hyenas. You remember the... um Man, what was the linebacker's name from Glade Central? J-Man. J-Man. This will tell you something. And I felt bad for J-Man because I was a freshman. And J-Man was a junior, maybe a senior, mm-hmm. when I was a freshman. And Sean... J-Man said something... And Sean was like, yeah, dance or sing when we were in, like, the cafeteria. And J-Man's like, I ain't no freshman. I ain't singing. He goes, you going to sing or I'm going to tape you up when we get back to the locker room. And J-Man wasn't small. J-Man was, you know, you know, it worked out. Mm-hmm. And Sean goes, all right, all right, wait till we get to the locker room. Sure enough, we got back to the locker room. And it's J-Man and Sean in the middle of the U. And, I mean, we all know who big Sean is. Sean scooped him. And just dumped him. And here comes the hyenas. <laughs> Trell, Fonzo, Maxi, everybody. They taped him up to the pole in the locker room. And we had these little garbage things that you could stand on. They put him on top of that so he was in the air, taped up. And then pulled, the, pulled it out? Okay. You know when people get so mad they kind of like a tear runs down their face? You know, J-Man's in there. If y'all don't let me out this thing, I'm going to bust out this. And, you know, all the DBs are laughing like, you ain't going to bust out this. And all of us are just standing back. Next thing you know, J-Man is in there like an Incredible Hulk. Ah! And bust out the tape, and all of a sudden the DBs just start running. (laughs) (laughs) But the crazy part about it was we were too scared to let them out the tape because if we let them out the tape, the DBs is going to jump us. But then we felt like if we got too close to him, he might go crazy on us. So it was like a lose-lose yeah, situation. Yeah, he, he couldn't win that battle, no, he, or you couldn't win that battle. Nobody could win it because everybody, like he's mentioned, everybody was sitting back like, I don't want to get involved because these dudes literally like hyenas. They will come after you. So everyone was just kind of chilling like, damn, this is wrong. All but I'm not going to step all in. All he had to do was sing, right? Yeah, but he shouldn't have had to. I, well, you in your third year? There must have some reason even if you're in your second year. to sing, wasn't there? Yeah, because they bullies. Okay. They're bullies. <laughs> that's that's yeah, what said, it this is. This isn't the first was, time we've heard about it. It, so. it, was, it was bad. He was crying. Um, they were, like, dumping soap on his head. It, oh, man. It was bad. It was terrible. But so, so saying that, we've talked to a lot of guys, and we've heard a lot of the stories. Brian's from the school, and I kind of on his side that it was a bad thing, but it was a good thing, and it built a, a unity and a team that, that was stronger. So now we're in a world where really you don't get away with that kind of stuff anymore. Is that good or bad? I think how it played out how it played out for us was good because it did um, create that sense of brotherhood. It did uh, create the, the camaraderie and everything because once all the shenanigans was done, 
we were a family and it was all about winning at the end of the day. Now, right. you may have still had your, your riffs with a particular person, but at the, the end goal was to win and we came together for that, in my opinion. No, 100%. So w- w- with today's kinder, gentler society, it's, it's not, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. And even coaches that yell and scream seem to be, you know, no longer welcome, so to speak, you know. And it was like, kind of sometimes you got to get that point across. And you know, you're on a field, you really can't go. Hey, can you can you do that a little bit better? I don't think you can anymore because of all the technology we have. Everybody's got a phone, right? So half the things we did in the locker room, if you had a phone, you had one kid post it, you're in trouble. I mean, look at Antonio Brown, what he did with Mike Tomlin in the speech. So. I just don't think you can get away with what we got away with because it stayed right. in house. Yeah. You know, if you had a you, if you got in a fight on the field, all right, cool. Let's take care of it on the field. We take care in the locker room, and that's it. It's over with. You squash it. Nowadays, everyone's got a phone. Like, oh man, this dude, blah 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 blah. Next thing you know, the internet blows up. Oh, Miami's getting a fight between themselves. What's the season going to be like? I just don't think you can do it anymore with society the way it is. And the game is different. You know, the guys from from what I hear. From the dudes that still play, that played back when we were, they just say they're they're different, they're softer. They don't want to hit. You know, they don't want to come up and bang you and stuff like that. They just want to, oh, okay, let me wrap up and go about, you know, my business. Click my check. You know, and then also, you know, let me ask you about that. So when you're going into a season, you know, spring game, spring is when the tackling really happens. You know, you don't really tackle too much in fall camp. We tackled more in fall camp back in the day. 1,000%. Now it's changed. There's no more two-a-days. There's no more padded practice a lot back-to-back-to-back. Does that affect the defense a lot going into the first game? Because we're playing Alabama. We're going to be playing a heavily run, um, strong team. team. Do you think that the way that it's changed is really going to affect them when it comes to tackling, wrapping up in a live situation? Absolutely. Um, The only way to get good at something is by actually doing it. Over and over and over. And again. (laughs) So uh, for them to take that away, in essence, it hurts the defense. But what does it do? It bolsters the offense. What sells the tickets? The yeah, scoring points. The offense. So the the NCAA's of the world, the the NFLs of the world, they don't care about that because they want to see the high scoring games because they fans want to see the stats and all the scoring and all that other stuff. But to us coaches or you know the people that are the hardcore fans that you know the in- intricacies you want to see hey i don't mind seeing a well put de- t- together defense some of game. my favorite games where the defense took over man 1000% so it does hurt the players you know but the coaches have to do a good job of mitigating that by coming up with being creative and coming up with different drills and things like that to be able to simulate as much as they can those tackling drills and prepare them for the game See, what concerns me is that we're taking away the contact to try to make it safer. But the question is, does it really make it safer if someone's tackling wrong because they haven't done it over and over again? And over and over and over. Again. And over and no, over. It's, I mean, it's, you run through a dude's face over. You don't remember that Marshawn Lynch soundbite? No. You remember yeah. that one? Yeah, I remember that. So Marshawn Lynch was talking. He's like, you know, dudes don't want to tackle. If you just run through a, I don't want to say the word he said, MF's face over and over and over. Over again, I was like, "Damn, Marshawn! Marshawn's the best soundbite ever." I don't care. I would love to hear. Yeah, he said it like fifteen times. He did. He said it fifteen times, but it's true. He would mm-hmm. love to run through you like all day long. You well, know, Frank Gore said the same thing, kind of like that. He's able to t- play this long because a lot of guys are soft. They don't want to tackle him. They move away from him. You know. How is Frank still playing? Don't know. How is Frank still playing? Like Frank came into college with you. R- the year before. The year me. before. Oh my. 
It's crazy what Frank's doing. It's it really impressive. is. I mean, he really is a remarkable person. I mean, off the field, he's amazing. He's one of the best dudes. But he's the one that actually told me about the dudes being soft in the league. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, me and Beast ran into him, and he goes, I don't think you understand, Beast. These dudes don't want to tackle me. Like, the linebackers don't come up and hit. They just want to, you know, wrap you up. He goes, I could probably play for another five years. Even with that said, the guy from the Colts, I was shocked. Um, They just paid him, but he's like 215. So Frank, him and Frank are probably like the same size. You know, it's crazy about get him getting paid. And everyone says, oh, well, he's this and that. And I go, if you told me right now, who would you take as your starting middle linebacker in the NFL right now? He would not be my top two choices. He would not. I'm sorry. I would take. He makes plays, though. He makes plays. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple plays, if you go back and watch, where he half-assed it. Mm -hmm. And then he shied away from contact. And as a linebacker, especially me being friends with a lot of linebackers, that's the one thing that pisses him off the most. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I can see that. I can see why you're pissed off and why you wouldn't take this guy. To me, the dude that just got paid before him mm -hmm. is the best inside linebacker in the league right now. San Fred Fran. Warner from San Fran. There you go. He is absolutely Beast. disgusting. And I'd still take Bobby Wagner with the Seahawks mm -hmm. over the kid from the Colts. But, hey, listen, he got paid. It More is what it is. Him, right? It's the nature of the beast of the game. Who's next? You know, you get the most money. Look at Josh Allen's contract compared to Dak Prescott's contract to Mahomes. Who's next in line? Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Whether you agree that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than any of them, I don't think so. But he's probably going to be in line for a payday like that. The market dictates your value. And I don't think fans get that. I really don't think that. And then – what was the last uh, TV deal? $9 billion, which kicks in next year. So, man, I'm going back. It means your beer costs more, your crown <laughs> costs more, your car costs more, and every other advertiser is putting that in on the other side. So For it's, sure. you know, your tickets cost more. I think the only place that the, the food and, and, and beer prices didn't go up was uh, Atlanta. I think that's what the owner said. No right, matter he wanted what, to keep it. I'm going to keep it reasonable because you Arthur have. Arthur Blank? Yeah, Arthur Blank. That's good for him. Because there's other places that are selling. Yeah, when he opened the new stadium, it was like it was like cheaper than going to yeah. a, you know, a high school game or as cheap as going to a high school kind of game. It was very reasonable. I mean, damn it, your own Home Depot. Yeah. All these $8 hot dogs from the guy that busts his butt being a plumber that wants to come enjoy a game. I can cut the price and still be a billionaire. True. I don't get that. Maybe that's why I'm not a billionaire. I ain't selfish, but no. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. We say that all the time. Speaking of Atlanta, this team is going to be in Atlanta in less than, what, three weeks? We got until game time? Mm -hmm. You know, you've know, you you've been in the coaching world. You, you still, you're still a sports junkie and football junkie. <sighs> what do you think about this Miami team going up and playing the likes of Bama in the first game? I think it's a gift and a curse. Okay. People forget it's Bama's first game, too. With a new quarterback, they lost uh, a, a crazy amount of starters. They did. Right? Now they're being replaced by all four and five stars. But experience speaks volumes. I'd rather take an experienced team rather as opposed to a more quote-unquote talented team. Um, I think the first quarter is going to determine how the game goes. It's all about momentum. It's all about confidence. If we can go in there and those first couple of drives establish ourselves that, hey, we belong, I think psychologically those dudes will kick into high gear because they're just as talented. Miami's just as talented. But it's, it's psychologically do they believe that? And don't, don't take that for granted because that's a huge thing. If you go out and those first couple of drives, you get busted in the mouth. Remember when we played Notre Dame? Yep. Notre Dame was just right. as talented as we were, but we bust them in the mouth the first couple of drives and they tanked it. 
So I'm just hoping, you know, um, you know, mentally, physically, uh, we're prepared. I, and I know Manny will do a good job of getting them, getting them ready to go. But we just start fast and start at a high gear. Well, it's like, you know, we played LSU out there in Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a ch chance for an interception. We dropped it. You know, same thing happened last year against Clemson. So when you have the opportunity, you have to do it. You know, then you go back two years ago and we played Florida. And, and really, any first game against big opponents, we go back playing Florida State or whatever, the game's not the best football either Correct. one of those teams are going to play the rest Correct. of the year because it's the first time of live tackling, live catching and everything else. So the butterflies are there plus just getting the rust off. You know, I, I remember Butch Davis talking about, hey, you know, in NFL we have four preseason games and you want us to go out and play, you know, the first game and expect it to be great football. It's just not going to happen. It's very hard for that to happen. And if you watch the rest of the games that weekend, you're going to see – us coming off these teams like you say if you jump on them early it builds confidence on your side and it takes a little bit away from them so that definitely is a great recipe for a victory or at least staying with them right can we stay with them that's the big question I think we can. yeah I think because we can. i have a bet with uh platon mm -hmm. um i think we can mm -hmm. i think we have to play a perfect game mm -hmm. literally a mm -hmm. perfect game but i think we have to score in the 40s to keep up with this team like you mentioned they lost a lot but they they don't rebuild. They reload. They just reload. Mm -hmm. You know, the quarterback that's going to be playing, if he was a true freshman, I would feel a little bit different. But he's a red shirt. He raised, he's been in the program. He played some mop-up duty. He's one of the highest you know, rated quarterbacks they've ever had in history. Mm -hmm. You got, I don't know, five-star five running backs in the backfield. Mm -hmm. Their left tackle is an absolute freak. Probably be the first left tackle taken. You know, for me, I think what Nick Saban's going to do, he's going to look at our defense and say, okay, what are they good at? Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're, they're very um, – um, they got a lot of experience in the back end. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go ahead and go four verticals and then make the linebackers, who to me is the weakness of this team, mm -hmm. have to go one-on-one -on -one with our All-American tight end or have to open field tackle one of our running okay. backs. And I just think he's just going to pound it, pound it, pound it, Then he's going to do some pop passes. I feel like we have to score in the 40s. I say I told Platts on 100 bucks, Alabama scores a, a, a 40 points on us. If that were to happen, I believe that would happen late. I, because I do feel like it, at first it's going to be a, a, a ground and pound game on both ends. Yep. Um, but I know we have Dier. Is uh, is he even going to play? Yeah. yeah. No, he's. 100%. I mean, he's so right now. He's probably. in practice, looking 100. percent That's I, what they say. I I know they're going to want to get their their new quarterback in a rhythm. Yep. Of course, he's a brand new quarterback. They're going to want to get him in a rhythm. See if they could establish the run on us first. Mm -hmm. Get him in a rhythm and see where it goes from there. Um. Now, like I said, I feel like if that were to happen, it would happen. You know, in the fourth quarter when you know we just and. You know they probably run it, run it up on us, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, man. I mean, I I look at it and go, it's a great test for this team. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of our most experienced teams we've had since 13, 12, I think, when uh, Stephen Morse was here and we had mm -hmm. all the offensive linemen coming back mm -hmm. and our our offense was putting up I don't know how many yards a game. Um, if Derek is healthy, I think we can score on them. Yeah, you know I think we can put up a lot of points. But can we control the line of scrimmage? We've had a terrible time, fourth and one, third and one, short yardage. Do you Can you get the one yard on third down? Normally we don't, and we have to punt. I think that's what you have to win against, and it's an SEC team that's going to be humongous up front. Can these guys that are more mature, been in the weight room for three to four years, some of them five, some of them six actually, can you get the push and, one, protect Derek, and, two, open up holes for Cam, 
um, Don Chaney, Jalen Knighton, all those guys, because unless we do something different that we haven't been doing in the last five years, man, that bottle of Crown is going to go down fast. And not the good way it goes down No, not the good way, no. But, you know, one of the downs that has bothered me over the last few years is first down. First and one. First and negative one. Incomplete pass. So now your second and third are dictated where your defense is just saying, let's charge and go after them. And that's where if we can get good first down production, makes the rest of that part easy. You know, third and short's a lot easier than third and long. So I think that first down plays. And I look, second year for this offense, second year for King, I think is going to benefit uh, what they do. And I'm pretty sure they know what they're going up against. They're going to have to figure some things out that are a little bit maybe unique or different from what we've seen. We can only hope, right? So even to piggyback off what you said, now the thing with coaching is knowing your deficiencies. And when you know your deficiencies, just like you spoke on Nick Saban, now you're able to adapt and adjust and maneuver around that. So if you know we're deficient in an offensive line, now you do more quarterback move the pocket. You do more quick passes. You do more things like that where you're not asking your offensive line to hold up and block a 300-pound five-star. You, we can't do it. So I put that onus on the coaches to be able to come up with uh, schematically things to benefit our offense. I think we could score on them also. You know what? It's so funny. It's always former players that say something about the coaches. Fans don't want to listen. They say it's always the player. I go, listen, your coach got to put you in the right situation. If you go back to – what year was it that we played Florida? 18? Yeah, 18? Enos. Enos. Yep. You look at Enos. You had two true, two true freshmen starting on the line. They can't hold up against Tackles. those guys. Why don't you move the pocket? You have a mobile quarterback. Just move the pocket. Get him on the run. Cut the field in half. If he's not smart, cut the field in half and go just like that. And it's just frustrating. Like you mentioned, coaches have to know your weakness, and you have to adjust to that weakness. I don't know what our weakness is going to be on offense going into Alabama. Personally, I think it might be the, the ground game just because they got some big boys up front. And I haven't seen our offensive line move many people when it comes to good teams in years. Yeah, and I don't think the running backs last year showed anything super special about them. I think they're good. I don't know that they got enough playing time or whatever. It just didn't seem like they ever had that just move the ball and just get 100 yards plus or whatever, just continually the same kind of runs. So I think the running backs are good. I just don't know that we've seen enough of them to say, hey, this guy's going to do it. We don't have that one guy, the Edron James kind of guy, that person that's going to just carry the ball and, and take the game over. Speaking of EJ, congrats uh, going into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Another Kane, I believe that's what, nine nine players and one coach that we have in the, uh, yeah, in the Hall of special. Fame. And more coming. More coming. Yeah, we do. You know, and that's that's a good question. You know, with the Canes coming up, um, personally, I think that Devin Hester. In. Reggie Wayne. In. Andre Johnson. Eh, should be in. Okay, so that's that's kind of one of the borderline, but I think he should be a second or third because all his numbers are top 10 to top 12 in receivers. Mm -hmm. Then, to me, the ones that get in, eh, Big V. In. Eh. You think he's in? He's in. You think so? Platt's on you. Is, is, is your mic Bowl? on? Are you, are you with us? On. Oh, Sorry. there you go. Hey, I, I think new voice is Platt's up from Pro Canes. How you person. doing, buddy? Good gentlemen. Sorry about that. Uh, I think he's in. I think the Super Bowl, I think he played a huge part of that defense. I mean, he may not have necessarily the stats, or the sacks, and that sort of thing. He was a D tackle. But, I mean, he was the key to that Patriots defense. Kareem, you, you, you were on that team for, for – 
for a little while when he was there. I mean, I, I think he handled the whole middle of that of that defense. I think he's in. I think he's in. He's not going to be first ballot. I don't think Andre Johnson is first ballot. I think Devin Hester should be first ballot, and I think Reggie Wayne should be this time around. Um, but I, I think eventually he gets in. Yeah, I think I think Reggie gets in next year. I think Devin yeah. should be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he changed the game when it comes to the to the return Definitely. the return game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dre is going to take two or three. Uh, Vince is the one to me that's borderline. You know, just because I see who they let in as far as D tackles mm-hmm. and the guys that you know the most recent that we know that we have. Warren Sapp, mm-hmm. Cortez Kennedy, you know, those guys changed the game. And they the all game. had numbers, though. They had crazy numbers. They had numbers. They had crazy numbers. And I think the guys that just retired and still playing, obviously, Greg Olson just retired. Mm-hmm. I think G-Reg has a chance because he did something no Titans ever done three uh, seasons in a row with 1,000 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Frank, first ballot, oh, yeah. don't care what anybody says, no. he's in. And then another one that may be borderline is Calais. Surprising. He surprised me. You know, Calais said, you know, when I was talking to him at Paradise Camp, he goes, you know, I forgot what he has got. I think he's got nine to get to 100 sacks. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I would love to ultimately get it this year. And maybe if I do, maybe we see Calais calling it, you know, a career, which has been an amazing career. Mm -hmm. But um, we could see him back if the money's right. But I think Calais is the one, is another borderline. If he gets a ring... And gets that and hits a hundred. Why does a ring matter so much? I don't know. I think it does. It does. But why? This isn't a team game. This is what did you do to affect the NFL yeah, but, game? But unfortunately, the barometer, everything's set to winning the Super Bowl, winning okay. the national championship. I got, I got one I, for you. I, but, I got one for but you. But just to, to go off that, they change the barometer for who they want to change this the barometer for. This is true. Because now they'll speak about Calvin Johnson and say, oh, well, you know, he had Matt Stafford and all that stuff. Well, Dre had Shaw. Dre, Dre had, had no, no one. Dre had the <laughs> yeah, worst Dre, quarterbacks Dre had me in at the quarterback. world. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, look. Tony I, Romo. I don't agree with Calvin Johnson, Tony, by the way. Tony Romo. For what? Yeah. For he, he's but he's got six appearances in the playoffs and he's two and four. For what? Because what? You're a good commentator. I'm sorry. No. No, I but agree with he you. He is a good commentator. He's <laughs> he's a little too much for me. That that whole oh my god. He tells you what the play is. Any good football player can watch the film and tell you what the next play is going to be if you study film. Yeah. It's yeah. plain and simple. But the one that you guys mentioned with rings, I got one for you. Because this shit be pissing me off when it comes to Twitter. I think I know who you're going to say. Julian. Oh, no. Edelman. Does oh. not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. No. I don't care if you got three rings. I I Can, agree 100% with you. Well, okay, y'all are saying the rings, and everyone talks about the rings with but, Julian Edelman. But, but I'm just saying that's one of those things that they look at on your resume of work, championships, one, games, one. That kind of stuff is added in there. Bull I'm not saying it's right. Look, shit. one of my favorite players of all time was Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I thought he was one hell of a quarterback, a okay? But – you know, if you, there was a knock on him. What was the knock? No ring. He didn't win a Super Bowl. He went to one, but he didn't win one. What about this guy then? Eli Manning. No, Eli's in. Eli's in. But Eli's got the stats. He's I, got the stats. Oh, see, I, th- I, I, think, I, I think there's no reason for him to be in. What? He did win two Super Bowls, but yeah. he did nothing else. How many? He's got one of. The, he's got so many what losing is he, seasons. What is he? Top eight and top ten in touchdowns I and passing I, yards. I don't know if he's top eight or top ten, but I, I just, I, I never saw him as an elite quarterback. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of put, I kind of put him slightly behind, but in that same category, Big Ben. Because Big Ben has the two rings, but a lot of his seasons were like, and like, yeah, you know, he 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 should have gotten them over the top, and he didn't. And he didn't. And I think at the position of quarterback, 
that's kind of what's expected of you. Like, 1, you've got to get them over the top. Yeah. Now, you know, Danny Dan Marino, I think, is a, was a whole different story, but... I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting conversation. I didn't think uh, Megatron should have been first, first round, first, I, I didn't first either. ballot. What? I didn't either. He changed yeah. the game. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, come on, dude. Like when you see his resume, but then like we're saying about the barometer, you you're having his resume and saying, okay, well it's okay for him, but then it's not okay for Dre. But here's the, you know, so just to me, he's got a better resume than Dre. I mean, than Calvin. Dre. 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 Yes. 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 1,000%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And Reggie? 100%. Oh, way but, better. Okay. But the difference, <laughs> Give me a break. the difference is with Calvin, he literally changed how you defend one receiver. You had dudes bracket coverage on the outside of the 20. Name one other dude that they have literally like a punt coverage on him. Andre. They did a bracket coverage on Dre. Uh, no, they were they were they had to change. You got to pull up the you got to pull they, up the film they on had that. To, they had they to change. You got to pull up the film on that. They had to change. No, no, coverage. Back coming here, guys. Let's look, go. Because look, I, you remember this game, that Thursday night game when Georgia Tech came down here and we yep. wore the all green with the little orange sleeve, and I remember this dude walking on the field and I go, "What the hell is that? <laughs> That's not a human." He was pretty special. And he made that. What was it? A sideline catch. Yeah. It was over Maxi and under Mick. It was under Kelly. It, I was broke like, our hearts. Broke our hearts. And we were, what, number three in the country, and we would have made it to the national championship just for that? After that, I go, anything this dude does, he's going in the Hall of Fame just because of that. He's nasty. I'm sorry. I think no, he, he was nasty. He should have been. He should have been first ballot. By Great the way, Eli Manning, number eight on receive, I mean, um, on passing. Passing yards? Passing yards. So, um, yeah. All right. I mean, come on. And number nine on passing touchdowns kind of like i said but you know i i he didn't want to trust me or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> i i do want to go back to one thing because um and i don't think you i don't know if you guys touched on it before number but, number eight in completions as well too just so you uh, yeah, just, all right just a so, couple. Is he, so is he first ballot because of the name yes, yes. okay because of the name, y'all told about Super Bowl rings. Right. Well, the, the the name's got a whole weight. The name, right? Got a whole weight. But you mentioned that Georgia Tech game, and I, I you know, uh, when I think about uh, Kareem, and you were on this team, obviously, Brian. Also, th- that defensive line for me, from two thousand from the two thousand and five season, is one of the most underrated D lines in all of UM history. If you look at the guys that were playing, you had Kareem, you had Baraka, you had uh, Calais, you had Thomas Carroll, you had. Uh, I think Javon Nanton on Paddle. on passing Paddle. on on passing uh, downs. You had Pata. I mean, was Orion on that one, or was Orion? Orion gone? You had Orion, Orion, was there, right? You yeah. had Orion Harris as well. I mean, you had so much talent. And and the game that always sticks out to me from that season was that Virginia Tech pounding up when you guys just took Marcus Vick and and destroyed him. And they were talking about BCS this and that and went into. I mean. Why didn't that line get enough credit? Why don't we think of those guys? Do you think when when we when we think back at that? Because I mean, you guys were dominant. Wins. You can't have the number one or two defense in the country, and your your offense is one nineteenth. Mm, God, I That's, remember that, dude. Do you remember that? I do. You, do you remember our conversations on the sideline? I don't know if you remember this. So, I'd get I'd be warming up. Right when the offense would go on, if we get to second down, I'd start to go warm up in the net. Where the net was was the D line, and I remember I forgot I don't know what game it was, but it was multiple games that year. I mean they were balling; they literally were balling oh, the defense. Yeah. Oh yeah, and our offense you know, wasn't great. And it'd be like third down, and Kareem would look at me like, "There's no way you're about to punt now." I'm like, "Yeah, man, it's third down." He's like, "What the?" F-? 
<laughs> and it it gets frustrating. I mean, you're talking about a defense that go three and out on the defense. Boom. Okay, we got you guys great field position. Go get us some points. He looks at me and goes, no, not again. I'm like, yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we played North Carolina, UNC. Uh, no, North Carolina State, I'm sorry, at North Carolina State. Uh-huh. It was like a Thursday night, something night game. The one where Hester, Hester took the took opening. It, oh, yes. Hester yep. took the opening kickoff. I picked up that fumble, and I ran it back to the three-yard line. We didn't score. <laughs> right, This is right before halftime. And I got in trouble from Larry Coker and Coach Shannon saying, well, Kareem should have scored and we would have gotten the points. And it was like, dude, I put the ball on the three-yard I was 322 pounds. <laughs> I put the ball on the three-yard line, and you guys are blaming me. extra hamburger that week caused it, man. That's God, yeah, you know dog, what, man? Absolutely right. What is that, how did that make you feel, though, Kareem? Uh, I mean – a part of our culture was accountability. So it was a factor of, you know what, man, you should have scored. But then it was like, hey, the offense has a job to do as well. You know, um, you guys are the primary uh, point scorers. So score the points. That's it. There was, there was a time there watching some of those games that I'm going, if the defense doesn't score, we ain't going to win. We're not going to win. I mean, and it, it, and it, I've, even in the last couple of years, we've seen some of that stuff where you see the offense just so inept, and you go, man, we need we need to pick sick. We we need a fumble recovery back for a touchdown because that's what you really needed to see because you just didn't see the imagination or creativity or more importantly, execution on offense to get those points you needed. Did it, did you get into it with the offense? Were, were there was there bad blood with the offense? More so in practice. But I think we came together at, at game day. We mm-hmm. came together game day um, because we knew it was going to take a team effort. Uh, but in practice, practice was heated. I'm talking about fights, and I'm sure he t- he's told you yeah, guys told everything. Like, there was no holes bar in practice. So, And I didn't understand it at first because I'm a punter, so I just sit on the side, do a little scout team, you know, do my thing. And then when I actually started playing receiver, and I'm going against Ryan Hill, and he's holding me. The whole time, just getting my jersey and holding me. I'm like, bro, get off my jersey. You know what's hot as hell? It's two-a-days. CJ, I, I, barking at you and stuff like that. Holding me, holding me. I'm like, bro, yo, get off me. We're going to throw. Literally, first practice with two hands. And I said, get why these money. they throwing hands left or right because it's frustrating <laughs> as hell. Like, if you're a D-tackle going against the center of the guard and all of a sudden they keep holding you, and now all of a sudden, Coach Mark was it at the time? Mm-hmm. Coach Mark getting on you because Coach Mark will get on you, mm-hmm. and you're like, Coach, like, and they don't want to hear excuses. They just want you to go execute the play. Right. And I see why them dudes were getting in fights left and right, but it's quite entertaining for us punters on the end to watch the fights. I ain't even gonna lie. Well, well, and here's the, the was the other frustrating part: the fact that in practices the offense would have some success, and it was like, well, why can't if you guys can score on us and nobody scores on us, why can't you score during a game? It makes no sense. It doesn't. It made it no sense. So, why, and why do you think it was? Why, what, what do you think it was? I don't know. I, I honestly cannot give you like a, a, a logical answer because it's like you're, we're going against the best competition in the country during practice, and you you have success. But again, when you're going against the same person for ninety plays, uh, you kind of know their tendencies a little bit. Yeah. But it was frustrating for us as a defense to say, well. We're giving you guys the best look. And, I mean, we could talk about it now, but it would even be to the point where, you know, sometimes Coach Shannon would say, hey, man, tone it down a notch because we, we don't want to steal the offense's uh, confidence. Right. We don't want to bust their confidence so, so much that now, now psychologically they can't, they can't score. So it would be times where we literally, like, toned it down in practice. And that was, like, I think every year except our last year. 
probably. You know, my freshman year for sure, 03. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 04, same way, 05. You know, I feel like we had a top 10 defense every single year. Oh, we did. And our offense sometimes would be like looking crazy, like, yo, what the hell are we going to do with it? And I mean, when I got there, the defense didn't even want the scout team to score. No. If the scout team scored, man, they were pissed. So I can only imagine what our offense was going through looking at these guys, you know, in the face every day like, shit. It should have been easy on Saturdays mm-hmm. for them to score, you know? And I don't know. You're right. I don't know why they didn't score more. I mean, it's it's baffling. It really is. I mean, you mentioned the NC State game. I remember the NC State game because I got absolutely obliterated by Manny Lawson and the other first-round overall pick. They Mario had. Williams. Oh, my God. I don't know if you remember this. Um, Greg Olson was snapping. He was our long snapper. I do remember that, actually. You know, Greg Olson was our long snapper because we didn't have a great long snapper at the time. Q Hill was the up back. Olson snaps it off of Q's knee. And that thing is just dribbling towards me. Bloop, bloop. I'm like, I can't pick it up because I look up and Manny Lawson and Mario Williams are coming through the A-gap. So I said, I'm just going to kick it off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So I kick it off the ground soccer style. And they both hit me at the same time in the chest. And I about do a, a backflip in the air. And Coach Shaw comes. I felt like Coach Shaw was going to rip me. But he's like, bro, that was fucking smart, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I still got the flag because it was illegal to check it off. Touching. I'm like, hey, y'all, can't, y'all can't score in this defense if you guys can score in our defense. It just didn't make, it didn't make any sense at sometimes. At, at, at all. At all. But I want to bring you back to... A highlight in your career because I thought this was the best play of all time mm-hmm. and it wasn't considered a touchdown because I feel like it was one of the worst calls yep. in Miami history mm-hmm. back to the game against Colorado mm-hmm. you scoop and score I don't know when in your head you said I'm not going to make it 80 yards so let me give it to Leon Williams and Leon starts rumbling down here comes Clatt Beeson smashes Clatt I thought it was a legal hit still to this day oh, totally. score the touchdown the best part in that video it's K. Brown and Javon Nen throwing up the U and dancing the way to the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Walk me through that play. All right. So um, the the center uh, QB center exchange, uh-huh. he ended up fumbling. For whatever reason, I was like the only person in the stadium that saw the ball. <laughs> so I picked it up, and I just was like, let me get out of Dodge. Because if you pay attention to it, they didn't even – the offensive line didn't – they're like, what is he doing until they saw, like, I had the ball in my hand. <laughs> so I'm running, and I, I my eyes are this big because I see the end zone coming. <laughs> Leon, I tell him to this day, I will fight Leon if I see him. He was screaming Give me my the name. Ball. Give me the ball. <laughs> He's like, pitch it, pitch it, pitch it. And, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, is somebody behind me? So I just pitched it to him. And then, you know, so then – at that point, I was exhausted, so I, there was no way I was running to nah, meet yeah. in the end zone. So I, you gave Ole block. You were like, yeah. ah, Ole. Yeah. And so me and Javon just made our way, you know, to the sideline. And we, no, it was, it was a blast, man. That that be, I mean, Beeson Beeson picked him up, up and yeah. just. But it was a legal hit. Oh no, Clatt was chasing to, after to, Leon. To, no, no, no. I, I agree. It was a great. It was such a great hit. I, I, I agree. It was totally legal. You know, I, I interviewed him at the Big Ten media day a couple of years ago, Clatt, uh-huh. and I brought that up. And he's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, I heard you guys had a bounty on me and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, are you that sour that you say we had a bounty on you? Really? Like, you We believe- didn't even know who he was. That's what I said. I'm like, we don't have bounties. I don't know what you guys hear, like, in, you know, Colorado world. 
you know, I know you guys were scared of us coming to play us, mm-hmm. but yeah, we didn't have nobody. Like, oh, Nevin Shapiro, I go, we have no value. You guys were Colorado. <laughs> no one wasn't worried about Colorado. What you guys score? Three points on a 59-yard field that, goal? That was like a noon game. It so was. you already know yeah. if, it, if it was a noon game, you guys are nobody. Unless you're Florida <laughs> State and it's noon. Yeah, yeah that's it's nothing. It. Yeah. That's literally And you're nothing. Colorado at noon? You you lost before you even walked out. It's going to be so damn hot. <laughs> you know their best players were their punters and their kicker on their team on that, that when they year? came down. Yeah. Their kicker was uh, was Mason Crosby, right? oh, which wow. literally hit a 59-yard field goal. The only points they scored mm-hmm. the whole game was a 59-yard field goal in the OB. And then their punter was another guy that got drafted as a punter. So you know they were good. Mm-hmm. Other than that, nobody knew anybody on Colorado. That's so funny. I'm listening to the defensive guys on the bus, and they're like, this is going to be easy. This is going to be cake. They ain't scoring on us. I, I didn't watch any film, but I believe what they say. And sure enough, three points. And, of course, it took a 59-yard field goal because I know you guys love to get the goose eggs every mm-hmm. single time in the mm-hmm. OB. 100%. But, um, man, I miss the OB. Yeah. You know, I think the OB is just something special about the OB. You know, what was it like the first time you ran out of the smoke in the OB? Man, um, it was phenomenal. Uh, like, the electricity in that place was just different. Like, yeah, I mean, they they did us a disservice when they when they tore it down, brother. Night games in the OB, I mean, there there Unreal. was nothing else in this world like it. I, I, I've said it before, the Notre Dame game a couple years ago, that came close but it still wasn't. It still wasn't. Uh, wasn't the same. I mean, come at the smoke, the uh, the place shaking, the mm-hmm. the noise, um, and there was just that mystique about it. Like you, you, I think you guys knew you were gonna win before even 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 playing a snap because other teams came in there scared. But um, yeah, they they definitely did us a disservice. Right before you came in, we talked about the mentality and um, how. I don't I don't honestly don't believe that the mentality of this generation is innately tough. I don't think they are. No. It's it's just a generational thing. And for you to say like, hey, you know, we knew we were gonna win before we even stepped on the field, we did. Yeah. And I don't know if those kids feel like that. Remember what us what, what what we just talked about. And it was like, okay, remember for us, it wasn't if we were gonna win, it was how much were we gonna win by. And Swayze was literally sit there and be like, and you know, hey, if if this game is even close at halftime, you guys are running two hundred, uh, two uh, hundreds on Sunday. You remember the worst time we ever had to run after a game? We won. We won. We won. It was West Virginia, at night in the OB. Oh, the fourth down. Uh, yes. Crazy completion. Kellen Winslow. Kellen yeah. Winslow. Patty hits the field goal. Uh-huh. That's the worst we ever ran on a Sunday, and we won. Killed us killed us i don't know how many damn 200s we ran and oh and you know what he said he goes them dudes should have never been in the game with you guys and that's the reason i'm more pissed off and that's the mentality you talk about i mean and we've we've said it guys after a loss nowadays they're 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 posting on social media they're out in the club or the bar the same night eats me up because you can't possibly be passionate about what you do or about even care about your teammates and you're posting immediately post after the game. Yeah. I don't think half these dudes could have been in our locker room. They're posting pictures of themselves, and we just lost. Like, what are you doing? It's a different era. It's a different era. Now, is that – my question is, does that go on in other programs, like in Alabama, a Clemson? You no, know. no, because you got to remember this. Alabama Clemson is what – 
Miami was when Kareem and them were playing and they came in the national championship. The mentality is different. The locker room, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank here. The culture. The culture of the locker room, you know, keeps accountability for themselves. Mm -hmm. You don't need the coaches. Mm -hmm. When I walked into the, you know, into the Miami locker room in 03, coaches didn't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. You had guys like the Shanties and the Vilmas of the world and the Big that, Vs of the world. The team. They policed the locker room mm -hmm. and they ran the locker room. Their mentality at Bama and Clemson are this right now. Mm -hmm. You come here and win championships, and if you don't, leave. see ya. Because I got a dude right behind you that was a number one safety and number one wide receiver. But my question is, it, it's the same generation, though. So how— so You got, it, it, you got so Nick Saban, the, and you got championship uh, pedigree. Their, their, I was about to say, their culture is different. Way different. Their culture. Like, even if um, when you hear the Alabama players or former players speak now, one, uh, Najee Harris, when he came into the league, he was like, this is great. We never—it wasn't this easy at Alabama. So that just goes to tell, show you the culture there that's that's there right now and how they ingrain that into their kids and their players. Like, this is basically professional football just on the college level. That's it. You're a pro. It is. And I'll give you, I'll give you a great story. So one of my friend's former teammates in Carolina came to Carolina. He had went to Alabama. He won two national championships and I think three SEC championships. So they were talking about, you know, Alabama, and everything else. This dude literally said, I would give back the rings to go to some other school because that shit was hell, the way that we were ran. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is – that's the mentality. This kid rather not win championships because they were so tough on him, he'd rather go to a different school. It's not for everybody. It's, not. it's really not for everybody. No. And that's why you only see a select few schools that have that mentality. You can talk about all the schools you want in this country. There's only like three, maybe. I mean, Alabama, Clemson, for sure, mm -hmm. in the last 10 years. Ohio State, maybe, because I, I met Coach Day. I like the way he runs his program. Don't like Ohio State. But they're another team that is a factory. Mm -hmm. They're churning out dudes left and right for the last eight to 10 years. I think those are really the only teams that you can look at and say, you know, the environment, their mentality, it's from the coach down and the locker room police themselves. They've got those guys that when one leader leaves – I got another leader coming up. We haven't had that in years. Mm -mm. We really haven't. What, what, I mean, Kareem, what was the pressure you felt? You you came in a, in a position, D-line, storied history there. At the time you come in, the players, like you said, were running the locker room. I mean, was that pressure you felt? Was that pride you felt? Like, what motivated you that's obviously not motivating this generation? So, I'm glad you asked that. And... The answer to that question is I didn't want to let E. Reed down. I didn't want to let all the players that came before me, Al Blaze, I didn't want to let Santana down. I didn't want to let EJ down because those guys came back. Remember, everybody used to come back. And those guys were like, hey, you, we're passing the torch to you guys. It's up to you to uphold this tradition. And for me, and I'm sure it's the same way for him and the majority of the players at the time. You can't speak for everybody. No. But the majority of the players, it was the pride and the tradition to be a Miami Hurricane that you did not want to let those people down because then they were going to look at you as you weren't good enough. And nobody wanted to feel like that. That's what drove us. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the, the, the current I also, crop. I also think, though, we had – 
let me say, we had a different relationship with the former players, right? Because with Swayze there, everybody looked at Swayze as either a father figure or somebody you can go to and talk, whatever. Everybody wanted to come back and train with Swayze. Swayze mm-hmm. had been there for so long, created those relationships. Everybody worked out at the U. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, sometimes we'd working out. E. Reed would be over here. Trell would be over here. Kelly Jens would be over here. That's three first-round picks in our line running. Then if you looked at the early morning group, you had Reggie Wayne and E. Reed, first two in the building with Swayze. If you can't pick the brain of those two, you shouldn't even be playing football. Those are the two of the best to ever play the game. And then you had guys coming around just hanging out the locker room, talking to you about passing the torch down, what it means to be a cane. I don't know if because what happened with Golden and we had the disconnect between the former players and he didn't want guys coming back. Mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of guys got turned off by that and don't come back because I don't know if they feel as welcome as they were back in the day. And Nevin, I think, because they had to put the clamp down a little bit on the program and not allowing players to come back. And, and I think the other thing you got to think about is when when you guys were were in the program, think about the guys that, who, that were in the NFL mm-hmm. coming oh, back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about the guys now that are in the NFL coming back. No offense to them, but you you don't have the Hall of Famers you guys had Mm -hmm. in the league to come back and share their knowledge. But you brought up an interesting point, Swayze. I guess he was kind of, I've never really thought about it this way, but I guess he was the common thread Mm -hmm. over the different generations, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. Your, Your coaches could change, your head coach, your position coach could change, but Swayze was always there kind of... I guess keeping certain traditions alive. I know when Golden came, there were no, they they stopped doing no um, sideline. No, but they stopped doing um, uh, hundreds. Uh, what do you call it? Um, in in the workouts, uh, they started doing the uh, stop doing no one tens. No one tens. Really? Yeah. For a period of time, they stopped doing one tens. Soft, bro. Man, you know how many one tens yeah. we did one time before a workout? Thirty two. Thirty two one tens. Are you sure? I thought it was thirty seven. Might have been 37. Oh, maybe. It was in the 30s. You did 37? You might have done the one. As a deal. I mean, imagine that. Is that that. where um, uh, Nuke came late? I think multiple people came late. Yeah, it was Nuke and T-Buck. Yes, that's why we did 37. It was 30-something. 36, because I think it had to be an even number, if I'm correct. (laughs) I I think we were on for 26, and then we had a couple people get late. Did we even get to the workout? We did. <laughs> we got to the workout. We we sped through it. Yeah, but the we ran for two hours. It was unbelievable. I mean that I, the one tens. I I remember Clinton Portis one one time telling me I knew we were going to win a national championship when Vernon Carey finished his one tens, and he said, and for Vernon to finish those one tens, people were pushing him, like basically carrying him. To do it, but that was, I guess, kind of the rite of passage. Uh, I mean, and to think that a guy like Kareem Brown, 300-pound D-lineman's doing 30-something 110s, I mean, that's crazy. Forget Kareem Brown. What about Big V? Yeah. Or Big V. And, but a Big V can move, though. Yeah. yeah, I'll give Big V that. I've never seen a big man that fast off and, the line. And you weren't cut any slack. As a D-lineman, you had to do er- what the wide receivers were Accountability. doing. Accountability. Everybody. Everybody. And I, everybody has a different times, small skill, medium skill, big skill. Right. But you got to run 32, 26. We got to go 200s. You go to the hill. Everybody's got to run it. Everybody. I don't care who you are. And then if you don't, we've had dudes where my freshman year, there was a D lineman. I don't know if you remember. He wasn't keeping, you know, accountability. And Big V goes, take off that damn shirt. You don't deserve it. Get him a pink shirt. And they got him a pink shirt he had to wear in workouts. I said, I'm never gonna be in the back of the line anytime, <laughs> ever. And that's how you. But that's but how you, you look good in pink. 
Yeah, I don't ever wear pink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if that's saying real men wear pink. I ain't a real man then. I don't care. But, you but, but that was the standard, though. You that had was to the, be. That was the locker room culture that we had built at that at that time, Um, the accountability factor. And I think it helped develop. It, it, it either made you or it broke you. Yeah. Um, either you were going to adapt and adjust or you were going to fail out. There was no in-between. There was no gray area back then. But I think that's what helped us uh, develop the mindset and the culture that we did at that time. Yeah, they don't – I just can't see them having that now. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they're getting better guys with that mentality. You hear about the freshman class that came in last year. You hear about these the class that came in now. But it's it can't be freshmen that lead the team no. in that sense. It no, has to be the leaders – I mean, the older guys to be the leaders and say – this is our team. How are you going to earn your respect? And that's in a good way, right? It's not in a bad way to be like, oh, you're a little guy. No. It's in a good way to show show us you want to be here. Show us you want to be a cane. You know, and I was like, man, you can't even shave a dude's head. Like, what? Can't even take an eyebrow? Man. <laughs> that's one of the things that made you like brothers. Like, today's fight day. We're going to tape up all the freshmen. You got to fight and get your brother out. And then that actually showed the, the, the older guys like, all right, they ain't no punks. They go with us. Mm-hmm. When you can't can't do any of that now that's weak bro. well it's, it's a new world so you just gotta gotta deal with it but i think i think the freshman class last year and this year with the leadership and i think Derek king's brought some leadership and maturity that we haven't really seen around here that's i think made a difference across the team mm-hmm. but you get those young guys learning the culture right away and buying into it that only helps you as you go further along the way but i think a few years ago we lost that culture we were used to losing and it wasn't a big deal. Well, see, that was my question. What culture are they learning? Because you could be learning a culture. It could be the wrong culture. Right. Exactly. So, so my well, you, th- we heard guys talking about, oh, well, I'm going to stay after practice and get some more reps in. Well, dude, that should have been going on. Or a quarterback saying, you know, I'm watching more film now. That's dude, the that should have been happening. Right. That's the standard. That's, I mean, that's that's bare minimum. Correct. If you want to be great, that's bare minimum. Correct. You know, you, you need to be doing the extra stuff. Like, you know, we had crazy teammates, and you hear the story, Sean Taylor running at 12 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, just dudes that you watch them and say, okay, I got to do what he does. And if I do anything less, I don't deserve to be put the U on my helmet. And see, let's not make it seem like we were superhuman or we no. were robots. We we did the same thing that these guys do. But the thing was, we were going to go to the Grove, but we were going to dominate workouts at 6 a.m. No matter what time we came in from the Grove. And you could have came in at 530. You were going to be held to the same accountability and the same standard in that workout, and that's the difference. And that Sunday morning huddle, and I didn't drink. Smelling like Patron. Oh, <laughs> my God. I, I didn't drink in college, and then when I got in the huddle, I'm like, what the hell were y'all doing? <laughs> but but you go out there, and you bust out. I mean, what, what we did, 2200s after that game? six Whatever the West Virginia game was with the 200s, that was crazy, crazy, and everybody timed. got their time. Timed. Everybody timed. And that's the thing that's different. The accountability there was with the guys, no matter how much you partied when it came so, to being so between the- about accountability. Is the accountability based on player to player or was it coach to player? Both. But it starts in the locker room. Right. We have to police ourselves because you know what? If you guys are coaches, we're going to show you what you want to see in front of you. But what, what goes on in, you know, Swayze always say, what goes on in the dark is always going to come to light. Yep. In the locker room, the players see that. So now there has to be a select few players that still holds that same accountability f- that came down from the coaches. We had that in Vilma, in Sean Taylor, in Antrell. We had that. People that we 
respected on the field and off the field because they they did both. Right. You can't you can't be half butt. You can't be really good on the field but be a jerk off the field. Then you lose a little bit of credibility. We had guys that were good at both. You know, and I think that's why they were able to keep us in check and ingrain us into the culture and it was a smooth transition. But we're hoping we see that culture coming back. And I, I've seen little signs again for the limited what we're allowed to see, but hearing it just it seems like you know you're getting kids staying that would have left earlier. You've got depth, which creates the competitions. All those little things that kind of help make that team good. And you've heard they they're doing a lot of stuff together. Um, so we just have to hope that it is there and we can keep it because that's the difference. One year up and nobody there to take over to load when King leaves next year. That's a problem. Oh, no, I did it again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. Not going to uh, say anything. Look, thank all right. You. I appreciate that. All right, Gabriel, I'm going to leave you on this last question. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had a lot of great times at the U. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your favorite memory or all-time memory that's always going to be the first thing you think about going to the U? First time we beat Florida State. And what year was that for you? 2002. 2002. Fiesta. Okay, so that was I was sweating my butt off. You were a recruit. In the stands. You were a recruit. And they ran out of water in that game. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was Gathers. That was Gathers. Uh, Jason Gathers uh, scoring the, the uh-huh. winning touchdown. Yep. And then that was After wide McGahee's left. long mm-hmm. run. And McGahee's yeah, um, McGahee's screen pass. Screen, screen pass. Screen pass. You know how hot that game was? Oh, yeah, it was hot. That's awesome. It was awesome, wasn't it? Mm. And, you know, I guess it was the same for me. My freshman year, the rain game up in Tallahassee. Oh, yeah. Or, or <laughs> let's call it the Sean Taylor game because yeah, he, he kinda, that's what it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, he should have had four picks in that game, I think, maybe five picks in that game. That was crazy. You know, everyone always goes, oh, who's your favorite, uh, you know, who's the, the biggest cane, you know, and I'm like, Rex, I mean, uh, Chris Ricks. <laughs> like, really? I'm, yeah, I mean, Sean probably got five picks in his career off of him. <laughs> I, I got one more for Kareem because we, we, we've we've talked about this uh, with Brian and mm-hmm. Ari, obviously. Um, Alabama, do they score 40? We talked about that earlier. But listen, yeah, I, I was advised of the bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but um, I said uh, basically that um, to keep it short, that if, if that does happen, I believe it'll happen if we just tank it. Not, you know, they just, you know. It's not going to be a shootout. No, I don't think so. It's going to go one way or the other. I think it's going to be a shootout, baby. It's got to be I a shootout. The only way that we win if it's a shootout. I don't I'm sorry to say that. Shootout. My bad. It's first game of the season. Have you looked at their defense? It's their first game, too. Yeah. I, I just don't see it as a sh- Like, I don't see – the first game's always full of penalties, turnovers. Not we lose. Not Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not Alabama. I don't know. Not They're bringing Alabama. in a lot of people. Not, I just said that. What'd yeah. they do last year? What'd they do the year before that? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> not like this, though. I don't think new so co- either. New, brand new quarterback. That Mac Jones was a new quarterback Dude, last they year. They replaced, I think – if I'm not mistaken, like 18 or 19 starters. Oh, that's total. I would say 11. Okay. 11. Because you, you still got Jordan Battles coming back to safety from St. Thomas Aquinas. He's a senior. Mm-hmm. Josh Job, mm-hmm. cornerback. He's from Columbus. So don't get me started on that. Okay. All okay. the kids is migrating. Uh, we can get into We can keep going. We don't got to stop. <laughs> I just don't want to keep it long. Um, you got Harris, who I think is the best linebacker in the country. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely Disgusting. You guys will see him. Um, Le- LeBron Ray, defensive end. They got the transfer from Tennessee linebacker Henry Toa Toa, who's a tackling machine. Mm-hmm. All right, right there alone. Five. That's better than our defense right there. That's ready better than our defense. Okay, and then on, on offense, 
Got the best left tackle in the game, Evan Neal. I don't know how many running backs they got to come back five stars. All American tight end. Yeah, well, Slade's we were talking starters. Kareem says starters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Continu- uh, continuity has to go for something. You're right. You're right. But the one team that I feel like it doesn't have to go to for the last 10 years <laughs> is Alabama. Because we talk about it every year. You know, we say, oh, they got a freshman coming, Jalen Hurts. Okay, he's not really that good. He's from Texas. What'd they do that year? Oh, they got this kid Tua from Hawaii. Hawaii ain't got no quarterbacks. What'd he do that year? Mac Jones can't beat out two freshmen. He's fat. He's got two DUIs. He smokes cigars. what did he do? I'm just saying, man. It's, man, I, hope we got, I need a drink, bro. Hey, good, I can't let stop me tell you something. Good coaching goes a long way. And you know what this coaching staff, except for the guys that just got here, don't do well? They don't do well against good coaching staffs. If you look at against UNC, good coaching staff, we got destroyed. You looked at against Clemson, good coaching staff, we got destroyed. We shouldn't have lost to North Carolina, but we didn't adjust well. The first year, North Carolina, fourth and 17, we don't do well against good coaching. It's just something about coaches. I don't know if we get out-schemed, in-game adjustments, they do a better job. I'm hoping the little adjustment, I mean, the changes they made on defense can be big. And I'm hoping we take that next step as an offense, which uh, SMU did with, Coach Lashley, Lashley putting up 40-some points. I would look. When's the last time we put up 40-some points? 2002? Fiesta Bowl year? Something like that. 40 points? No, nah, we, we scored some points, but it's, not, it's not, not average. Not consistently. That's not what consistent. I want. Steven, well, see, that's even like that North Carolina Steven, game last some year. Some of Steven's teams put up points. I'm just being uh, Stephen Morris. Oh no, Stephen Morris! Yeah. The last time we had a really good offense. Yeah. I always say that on the show all the and time. And I say it all. I say that he's one of the most underrated QBs to play here too. Mm-hmm. But you look at North Carolina game last year. We knew North Carolina was coming in with talent. Okay, so the goal was can we stay with them like the last guy where the ball is going to win the game mm-hmm. kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't turn out that way because we just let them just destroy us, and our offense really was not able to do anything. How much did they rush for? Six hundred some yards. Still rushing there. Touchdown. Still rushing, man. <laughs> But, but I mean, it, in the it, same it, play, we have to stay. We have to stay with Alabama, regardless. Okay, if it's a close game or not. But if we get further and further behind, we're not going to we're not going to be able to come back from that. I don't. I just don't see it. One thousand percent agree. Well, well, listen. If they if they get up big on us on twenty one, I'm going to lose my bet. But remember what I said about us starting fast. True. With the confidence, right. and that's why I said that. If if we don't start fast, yeah. psychologically. We're gonna be beat, so yep. just psychologically. Yeah, well, we we Alabama's who we were twenty years ago, one thousand percent. And when we knew when we got up on any team quick, it was over. First quarter was over. Well, I and, think and, Miami and, at one point they were had a two touchdown lead just by walking on the field because yeah. teams are already mentally beat, and that's what we can't let. Like, like our fans, how many fans are saying, "Oh, we got no shot. I'm not going to the game." Or I'm, you know, it's like they've already thrown in the towel. I said, mm-hmm. well, "As long as the kids across the street aren't throwing in the towel, you at least have a chance." Well, okay, mm-hmm. and that's what we have to hope. And I, it sounds like they're working hard to do that. And I'm sure the coaching staff's trying to instill that. Listen, I'd rather play Alabama the first game of the season instead the of game the second, third, and tenth. No. Yes. yes. I would rather play Alabama two or three. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at least we get to make our adjustments. No. Yeah, they can make so, adjustments so, too. So you want to see us play Bethune Cookman, score seventy five <laughs> points, yes. and then go get. We're, we're going to learn a lot from that Bethune yeah. Cookman. You know game, why right? though? You, but you know why though? It's what you were talking about earlier. It's it's a mindset mm-hmm. that gives those guys a lot more um, 
confidence in themselves to go into Alabama. Come on, Brian. Brian you, I'm you, just saying. You're, you're, you're telling me you yeah, guys just, built confidence by putting 70 on Bethune or FAMU, FAMU or come FAMU, on. huh? That's a new. That's a new game. That's a, that's a new team right there. I mean, um, give me a break. Come on. I'm not talking about us. That's different mentality. We we in a whole new world. This is a world of social media you, you, and instant gratification. They put up pictures. We talked about it when they lose. No, I know, but but I'm saying that like the the difference between us gaining whatever confidence we would gain after Bethune, and getting uh, and having Alabama get a game or two under their belt, where they get greased up and they work out all the kinks and whatever. I will take them first game of the season every time. Are you kidding me? Man, you know when this game was supposed to happen, right? When the Florida game. You know that, right? Mm-mm. So you know this was scheduled for Florida when in we 2018. Florida? Oh, I didn't know that. All right, and then I guess the Florida AD hit up Blake and said, "We have an opening. Would you guys like to schedule something?" Oh, and so then we postponed. We flipped it? Bama. Oh, I didn't know that. Now just imagine this: Jaron Williams going against Tua Tonga Bailoa yeah, in no. 2018. No. Oh my goodness! With, with Dan Enos what? running the offense, yeah, no. You know what that score would have been? Yeah, no. Oh. I'm so glad they changed that schedule. If I remember the story correctly, that that's what's happened. But um, I'm looking all the way back to like 2014 mm-hmm. for Alabama's first games of the year. They've scored over 40, all of them except three. Yeah, but who do they play? The, the normal people: West Virginia's, Louisville's, Florida State's, um, Wisconsin. Um, I said Louisville. I said yeah. Louisville. Uh, Missouri. Yo, what you mean? Eh, Missouri have better school teams than us the last couple of years. Louisville. So Louisville, I, my bad. Louisville, Louisville. 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 I'm gonna I, get yelled I at. Still, I still think we have a better chance against them being the first game as opposed to any other. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll give you that. That's my point. I didn't want to agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Can we get a score? Hmm. Thirty-two twenty-eight. Don't put no 30s in there, man. Get into the 40s. <laughs> get into the 40s. Uh, 40s. We got no shot. We have to have a shot. That offense has to show us that we have so much experience. You have to be able to take the next step. Okay. It's a if, line. It comes down to the line. If De'Ara King is healthy. If he's healthy. If, yeah, but, but look, if our receivers drop balls, like, well, they happen. Ain't, those guys ain't starting. Okay. Well, they, you know. They're not starting. Have, we can't have drops. If the ball's there, we got to catch it. We got to make the most of it. Remember you know? what I just told you at perfect the beginning game. of this interview? You have to have a perfect game to beat Bama. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with if that. if you go back to Clemson. I think in the third quarter it was only twenty-one to ten in the third quarter. We, we dropped in. another pick that would, would have changed that complexion of that game. And early. then think about the first two drives. Yep. Fourth down, we jump off sides, take seven off the board. Mm. The next drive, the what was it? The hit to the helmet. They got another seven. We were down fourteen nothing. You take those two off the board. Now oh, we're talking a about a fourteen ten game it's going game. into the yeah. late third. Are you going to tell me this team is that disciplined to do it? I don't know, but I know that Alabama will, is more is more likely to make a mistake or two also because it's the first game. So hopefully they balance out. They balance out a little bit. But we we need to be on top of that, not on the hey bottom. Hey man, of, I, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I got to look at the. I, I, I know. Trust me. We need that, <laughs> we need that, that. touchdown <laughs> ring coming or the the turnover chain coming out early and often in that game is possible, and we have to get that touchdown ring going too. But we have to capitalize on those. Thank you. Any chance we get, exactly. You 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 can't 
pick up a fumble and drop it at the three, uh, you know, get there at the three-yard line and let the <laughs> offense. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you did everything you could do, but if the offense can't get three yards and four downs, I mean, come on, man. That's that's awful. I mean, I, listen, I, that's one thing I'm confident about this team. They can get the three yards if we give them the ball at the three. I can yeah. see them getting a touchdown because – Well, that one, offensive line – better be able to get well, that, they're, right? they're finally yeah, experienced, you have more right? options too you have the you have the threat of Derek. you got the running backs you, you know the, you, you, i i agree with you i think we're and creativity on offense yeah, i totally. mean i think you know the offensive quarter he actually comes up with great scheming that's one thing we've been missing for a long time yeah if you see the way that he sets up his formations and is able to disguise stuff man bro we haven't seen that i mean we're so used to but, but wait but brian do you think that what? last year offensively we saw a lot of Overly creative or yeah. things that go back and watch the formations and how he set up plays. Mm-hmm. If you actually di- you know look and see how he set things up, trips to the left, uh, single formations to the right, but actually run the same play when he goes two by two, he does a great job of scheming you up and confusing you. That's why we had a lot of broken down plays. You go back to the Louisville game when we had two back to back eighty yard runs mm-hmm. because he schemed you the right way that guys were going, huh, and then all of a sudden he would go right behind you. Those we didn't have with Danny Nose. Yeah. Right. I thought Danny Nose did a good job at the beginning of the first half of Florida with the screen games yep. that he did and the formations, but then he got stagnant. Yep. He was not good at halftime adjustments. He didn't change anything. And then you saw our, our offensive line broke down. Instead of moving the pocket, he put the freshman in there like, and he's going play action. And he's got 10 sacks. Right. If yeah. he was smart, he would move the pocket. If he wasn't, um, didn't know the playbook, cut the field in half, make it simple. But. I think Lashley does a good job of playing to the strengths of his players and putting them in good um, situations to capitalize and score points. That's what good coaches do. And, you know, we had been missing that, in my opinion, for a while. Let me ask you guys a question, because all of us are, are, are lifers, right? Does it ever make you guys um, frustrated that it seems like we can never put it together? Like, we would have the number top – five defense in the country with no offense, and then right yeah. after that comes Ja'Cory scoring 50 points a game, or Manny's first couple years with the turnover chain, and now we got Derek. Like, you know what's so funny is that I don't know if you guys remember watching Derek at Houston, but I do, mm-hmm. and I always do this on Saturdays. Man, why can't we recruit a quarterback like, like that? That. <laughs> that dude is a beast. How come we can't get him in Miami? Why can't we run a spread open offense and use that kid? And then all of a sudden, Derek gets here, but he gets there just a little bit too late. Like if we had him for Mark Rick's first couple years with Manny, Manny Diaz's defense. defense, like in 2017, mm-hmm. yeah. if we had De'Ara King, I'm sorry, we go up to ACC championships and we're giving them a fight for their life because their quarterback wasn't the best quarterback in their system. If you look at it went from Deshaun Watson and you had Trevor Lawrence and I forgot the guy in the in middle. Between. In between yeah. them. He's playing in the, C, uh, the Canadian Football League right now. Mm-hmm. But they only beat us, what, 30-something to three in that game? If you had a real offense that kept them off the field and the defense did a great job, man. But No, you're right, though, Kareem. I'm frustrated. It's, it, we, we haven't been able to put both sides of the football, no, no offense to special teams, but both sides of the of the football. Uh, 2017 were garbage, same, too. At the same or, time. Special teams. Or our kicker cost us how many games, Oh, 18, right? my bad, 18, yeah. Or how about this? We have a Al Golden team. That is super loaded with talent that goes to the NFL, but then the coaches essentially didn't put it together. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. but you know, and we always say that, right? If we could take Al Golden's offensive years with Mark Rick's defensive years and put those together, you're talking about a team that's contending for a championship every year. But they were loyal to a fault. 
This one didn't want to get rid of his best friend who was a D coordinator. Mm-hmm. And this one didn't want to get rid of his son mm-hmm. and himself from playing uh, call, uh, playing. Play calling. Play calling. Man, Playing Call of Duty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Tongue twister over here. If we could have got rid of those two things, we're talking about a different last 10 years of this program. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this coaching staff, I will give Manny Diaz this, and I always respect him for this. He made the changes that the former coaches wouldn't. His offenses weren't good after the first year. He changed. His defense weren't good. He changed the coaching, and now he's going to play. But he's you, gonna, you know that's not necessarily a good thing. I know. I know that because now you're doing new terminology. Everything Are the guys aren't comfortable. That's what makes it a little bit excited that the offense is going into year two. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys heard the dear King said this is his first time ever in his career going into back-to-back years with the same playbook. Same coach, never. Yeah, I didn't know that. And we've had lots of quarterbacks that have that same problem, you know. I mean, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright had Kyle four different four. OCs in four years, you know. And he I mean? had a punter as a wide receiver. Like, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> How, how can you be good if you have a punter on the 2D? I will say this about Coach Golden, right? Um, and I, I'll stand on this forever. As a CEO of a company, he would be phenomenal. Brilliant guy. I don't know how closely you guys had a, t- a chance to like talk to him. He didn't let us back in the he building, had, so I didn't talk to him. He has all the right ideas. The problem was setting it into motion. That was the issue. And, again, also, you know, not making the moves where he should have made them. And even with Coach D'Onofrio, he was a very smart person. Instead of harnessing everything that they could out of South Florida, they tried to turn this into Penn State South. Right. And it, it didn't work. But they didn't they didn't want to accept it until it was too late. Yeah. But in terms of knowledgeable, in terms of work ethic, those guys were awesome. And, and I'll stand on that. Well, I know one thing, sitting at, at Al's press conference, I mean, he said everything that you needed to hear as a Kane fan, and, and you thought we were going to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And there were signs that we were there. I mean, the Shapiro scandal really set everybody back mm-hmm. at that point. So lost good recruits, had, you know, lost scholarships, had all this hanging over our head that we, you know, we're going to get the death penalty and kids wouldn't come here. So that kind of probably put a damper on everybody you know basketball had the same issue you know it's like a whole different world it's some bullshit though if you heard the news today you're talking about kids that what Olivier Vernon got suspended the most with eight games or six games because he took 2,500 bucks or 1,500 bucks everyone else got suspended because they got bowling paid for them or they they had a dinner at the prime 112 for 150 bucks but did you see Baylor today no you know you remember when Art Browse was there and they had all those sexual assaults and Mm -hmm. they fired people because you didn't handle sexual assaults Mm -hmm. right Today the NCA says, "Oh, we found nothing wrong with it, so we're not going to punish you." You, you're not going what? Sounds about right. People were getting, women were getting sexually assaulted on your mm-hmm. campus, and there was clause for it because people mm-hmm. were were fired. You suspended all of us for some bowling. Right. It's a little bit of cash, and people are sexually assaulting women, and you do but nothing. But we were Miami. I, yep. That was my point exactly. <sighs> we were so, Miami. It's so frustrating. You know, and, and, of course, that article that was written, I mean, it was a great uh, made-for-TV movie about, you know, all the bad things that could happen in college football. What do you mean, the Yahoo you know, one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that, that you know, between one. that, you know. but <laughs> I still don't know how he put me in that shit, bro. <laughs> That dude hated me. And he's like, Brad Monroe, on my boat. I'm like, bitch, I've never been on your boat. <laughs> you didn't even like me. Like, you only liked me because my best friend was John, and that's it. Other than that, you would never invite me out. What am I going to invite the punter out for what? <sighs> God, we could use never now, though. It's but, legal. Those, but, those, <laughs> but those are things that, 
you know, outside influences or outside problems. I mean, the NCAA really, really did screw us in that period Hell of time. Yeah, they I mean, did. Th- by, if they would have come out and said right away, you're suspended, no bowl games for two years, and you lose 20 scholarships, it would have been better realistically than what actually happened to us because they sat there for three years and yeah. didn't really punish us. Look, I mean, and then, look then you find out all the things they were doing behind trying to get us even more trouble. It was awful. It was, they were sleeping with Nevin, too. So it's like, yo, how can you guys punish us and you guys are in the same yep. bed with Nevin? And now he's out. Hey, he's chilling at home right now. Yeah, you heard that? Yeah, he's at, um, what is it, home? Conf- he's in. Yeah, he's he's on house arrest. House arrest. I mean, come on. COVID he, release. 20 years, and this dude got out in, what, 10? Ain't this some sh- boy. Billion dollars taken away from good people. Man, hardworking people. You took the money. But someone else that has, like, a dime bag all of a sudden is in jail for 25 years. Oh! No big deal. All right, we're off the subject and everything. We don't need to talk about <laughs> we it like that. A, a better note than that, right? Because that'll get you depressed really damn quick, man. There's not many people that I. I mean, I got re, I got uh, recorded by the Miami Herald saying if he he slipped in the the shower and something happened bad to him and it was printed like something they like printed that. Printed that? Yeah. Ah, I love it. That's some good stuff. I mean, we, right there. we the only thing we could sell was the shirt with the rats on it, you know, <laughs> stitches and yeah. We sold a lot of those, and then I got, then I got a call from the university about you know you probably should be selling. I said, dude, you have to understand something. I haven't sold anything other than that shirt. Okay, so I'm going to do it for another week. Then I'll kind of take it off my website, and then when we sell out, I won't reorder them. But Man, yeah, right now I'm going to do, do it. Throwback Thursday and bring that back. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shirt. Limited well, I got a, I got a good collection of shirts at home. <laughs> I need that shirt. I need that shirt. All right. It was on another good fun news, show. Uh, on a good note, we're, uh, the Canes are trending up. The Canes are... We're, we're trending upwards. We, I mean, listen, we are trending, but then you get... You know, you see these writers, right? Mm-hmm. You see this, and then all of a sudden we, we came on the preseason poll, I think, 16. We were 16 right. or 15, yeah. something 16. like that, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is, is good, rightfully so. We came 8-3 and three with a lot of people coming back. Mm-hmm. And then another article, top five most overrated teams coming into the year, Miami, number one. Um, well, number one? Really? Number I didn't see that. One. Yeah, so it was, it was us... Texas, Notre Dame. By who? Who wrote it? Or what site? I don't know what it is. But I look at the top 25, and I like to be objective. I say, okay, I don't expect us to be top 10. We shouldn't be in top 10. But top 20? I think we're a top 20 team. We're Mm -hmm. 8-3 last year. We bring back a lot of, you know, starters. Your quarterback. Then I look at the other teams. On the top, Texas. Texas was bad last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, LSU. Went five oh, and yeah. five, and they would have went four and six if the dude didn't throw the shoe. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of us. How are they not a top, you know, overrated team? Max Johnson's a sophomore. He's not amazing, but he's good. So it's like, why do you always come after us? Why do we got to be the most overrated team? We're clickbait. Yeah, they see yeah, Miami. You're click. But I thought we were irrelevant compared to every, no, everyone. Tells we're us we're irrelevant. irrelevant. We've never we're been irrelevant. and never will be. We, we've, okay. uh, five and six seasons, and we're not uh, irrelevant. We're clickbait. That's what it is. People I mean, love you can see by the ESPN ratings, we're on their TV. I mean, our ratings yeah. are always up there. We 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 have probably have some of the highest rated uh, college games on on their station. Oh, always. You know, even when so, we're bad, people still exactly. And, and you know, this thing is, is that we talked about this earlier, is that even as bad as we've been over the last 10, 15 years, okay, teams still get up to play Miami. Still, mean? teams get up to play Florida State. The teams with a the history, they want to play them, even though they haven't been relevant or you know as good as they used to be but it's we can beat miami i mean fiu still dancing in the streets right oh goodness i mean listen because you know when it comes down to it when they're 50 and they tell their kids i cried that night we beat miami Mm -hmm. you know what's so funny i had a weird feeling that night right (laughs) i I got i got invited to the game and i'm like 
I'm not going. It's just weird going to the old Orange Bowl ground. So I went on a date. I went on a date. I didn't even watch the game. I'm at the lucky date. man. Lucky man. You know, I was lucky. Definitely lucky oh. in that one. Definitely. I don't know what I was doing. Like a punter said, I'll kick my coverage. Big time. So my phone starts blowing up. I'm like, this can't be good. And they're texting me, you won't even believe the score at halftime. And I looked at my phone. I go, can I get a shot, please? I need a shot. And I didn't watch one piece of that game. I couldn't. Uh, you were I lucky mean, for we, that too. We had Damian Lewis on the show a couple weeks back. He was on that FIU staff. Mm-hmm. He said it was one of the saddest days that win, but happiest too because he was on the FIU staff. But he said it was so sad also to see Miami lose to FIU. I mean, and that and that tells you just being the coach on the winning side, but still feeling that it was awful. I mean that that's got to go. That's got to be one of the worst losses, if not the worst, in. in in program history, if you ask me. It's the worst. Yeah. It has to be the it has worst. has to be. Because, one, it's the school that's in your same city. Your little brother. Your little brother that doesn't deserve anything. They don't deserve they, no they, credit. They, 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 they don't, we, we should never play them in any sport, ever. I don't understand why we play them in any sport. I know why, because it's cheap. But we should. There, it is a no-win situation. You beat them, you were supposed to. You lose, it's one of the worst things ever. And if it's close, well, you suck. I mean, I don't know why we're talking about FIU. You you guys got on me for talking about FIU, and now you brought it up. Well, you talked about it in a negative way. Like, you brought a <laughs> negative spin to it. You know, we were just talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about. I don't even know right, what came all up. Right, all right. How did I'm talking about Crown again. That's, that's a better subject, right? Well, you need to get the sponsorship, okay? <laughs> work on that. Okay, I'm working on it. I'll work on drinking the bottle. Oh, I know you will. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, Canes fans. K. Brown, thank you for coming in, taking your time out. Look forward to the season. Hopefully we can get up and watch a game, have some drinks, keep it calm. We'll get them on again. Oh, for sure. You know, whenever you're available, get you on during the season and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Pick your brain on how the team's doing from a defensive perspective, and you have coaching background, so it's good to get that, that aspect. Canes fans, until next time, have a great week.